Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm great. How are you? Really good. We're taping this on Easter Sunday. Happy Easter. Happy Easter to those who celebrate Passover, Ramadan. We got a lot going on here. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a busy time of year. Spring break. Yep. Doing a lot of parenting. Full time parenting. Full time wine. Full time wine. We are doing some wine tonight. We are doing episode ninety eight of Ooh. the Long Finish. It's episode ninety eight. We want to get back into a another prime region of wine. Talk about these big ticket regions, areas of wine that we may be drinking more as we start to see the signs of spring really yeah. taking place. I mean, this is a wine that people are talking about every day, all day, and it's Sancerre. This is the Alphonse Melo Satellite Sancerre 2020. I mean, it just sounds fancy, Sancerre. You know, you just sort of like saying it, whether or not you know French. It sounds good. And I think a lot of people know of Sancerre. People that drink wine know Sancerre. People may not know exactly what Sancerre is as a varietal. Yeah, I was wondering that question. Like, when's the first time you heard Sancerre? Oh, that's fancy. And then when did you figure out, oh, when it's Sancerre, it's always Sauvignon Blanc? Yeah, I, I honestly think. Tonight? No, but it, it was. More recently. No, a few years into drinking wine with you. Yeah. And you know, I mean, we'll get into this, but it's not, it doesn't have to be white wine. It can be red, it can be rosé, but like the idea that it's a region is kind of a breakthrough when you're like, Oof, okay, now I'm getting into wine. Like, anyway. So we're going to talk about Sancerre tonight, which I'm sure everyone out there is probably a fan of. I'm certainly a fan. But before we get into that, let's recap what's going on in our lives. And this is, this is for us the culmination of spring break for our kids. It's been a two-week journey of life without school, which as uh, many parents out there know is, um, is not fun. I don't know if I'd say that, but it's just like you're on. You're just on all the time. There's just no no break. I mean, the first part is fun because it's like something different. And then now I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for school. First part is not fun. All I think about is that Christmas song. Mom and dad can hardly (laughs) wait for school to start again. So we decided to go to Colorado for a few days and to Boulder to see Catherine's family, which was fun. I had a great time. It was busy. It was great seeing all my family and hanging out and the mountains and bowling and all kinds of Ran stuff. Ran the full gamut of weather. We came into snow. We left wearing shorts. But fun for our kids from California. They, they never really spent time in snow before. Really funny because we pull into my parents' house and they're wearing like sweatpants and sneakers and not really coats. And they're like, there's snow. Let's make snowballs. And they run right out into the snow. And five minutes later, they're like, I'm wet. I'm cold. You know, just no, no concept. No, <laughs> plus we, had, we had no boots for them. They, they have vans on. <laughs> it didn't you know. make any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it snowed longer, maybe we could have gotten them into some gear, but. We were borrowing winter jackets from neighbors. Yeah, it was a bit of a hodgepodge. But it was great. It was a fun trip to be back. It's always fun for us to get out of L.A. for a couple days. Totally. Nice to be out of your routine, out of your bubble. Just seeing something different is healthy. The, the real scare for me is we're going to my parents in, 
Virginia in July, and that flight is five hours. The six-year-old we have is now fine on planes. The four-year-old doing well. The two-hour flight was still difficult because we have a 23-month-old who doesn't care and wants to, like, climb over. Well, it's just... He was doing flips over our two rows of seats. (laughs) You know, they lay on the floor of the plane, and people just stare at you. Like, you've done the worst parenting of what, all time. What are you supposed to do? I don't know. The kids, too. I don't know. They're just like licking stuff. Yeah. It's I just, would say I, it's actually a miracle right now that all of our children are healthy. We'll see. We I just got back from wood. our plane. I yeah. know. I probably shouldn't have even said that. Yeah. Thanks a lot. We'll check in, check in with us on the Sorry. next episode to see how our kids are doing. But we think they're healthy. We came back, some nice weather in LA, first time in the pool. For Unbelievable. The year. Yeah. I, you got in. I, I was I like, hmm. I'll stay in my sweatshirt. It's still a bit cold, but, but the pool's heated. You did it, and the kids had a blast. Easter Sunday in the pool. So we turn, hopefully, you know, tailwinds into spring. Sunny days, warmer weather, and we need some things to drink yeah. for these, these warm, yeah, warmer weather spring, days. Yeah, spring wines. Does Sancerre fit that bill? Or Obviously, you said Sancerre, Sancerre is a full 365 year-round wine. 100%. It's a anytime wine. I mean, like people beat down the doors for Sancerre. You just can't keep it. And in why stock. is that? I, it's so many things. I wonder. Well, first of all, let's just take the cat out of the bag. Sancerre is most of the time Sauvignon Blanc, and people love Sauvignon Blanc. We did another episode on Sauvignon Blanc. I remember the first month of the lockdown during the pandemic, we could not keep Sauvignon Blanc in stock. It was flying out the doors. And Sancerre is the highest, the most elevated, the most, quote unquote, sophisticated Sauvignon Blanc out there. So there's that. But also, like, the other funny thing is that probably a lot of people drinking Sancerre don't know it's Sauvignon Blanc. They just know it's French white wine that's zesty, that's got that little citrus thing, that's like mineral, and it's not Chardonnay. So Maybe they don't even know it's not Chardonnay. It's just like a minerally white wine. So let's go into this particular bottle of wine that we're having tonight. Talk about this. Or maybe you have different plans. Maybe you want to talk about Sincere in general. But I, I, I have questions about this because I think it's very interesting to see how a region becomes a phenomenon when there are there is other Sauvignon Blanc in the world. Totally. Well, first, I do think it's important to talk about the region because l- maybe people don't even know where it is. They just know it's in France. Because it sounds French. I do see the map sitting next to you. No, I I was so excited. This, um, I got this box of maps from DeLong, which is the best wine map company out there. It's so great. And they have a sale in December. So take note, friends. DeLong, take note of the (laughs) ads that we're giving. They're not our sponsor, but we don't have sponsors. But I love... that's a note. But I love their maps, and I got a whole box of like world wine maps at a huge discount, and super fun to have them. So I thought I would like show it to you on our date here tonight. And I'll make sure to post this on our Instagram at the long finish, so check Just that out. Just post me holding this I will. with my sweatshirt <laughs> on, giving you this class in our Easter-strewn living room. Okay, Sancerre's in the Loire Valley. Loire Valley follows the Loire River all the way from... The west coast, kind of in the middle of France, the west coast follows it east and then it kind of dips down right in the middle of the country. So Sancerre is almost directly south of Paris, like three hours. And it's in the upper Loire Valley, 
they're basically the central vineyards of the Loire. It's the center of France. It's more than 300 miles from the coast. This is still the same appellation, the Loire Valley. But Sancerre is this little town and it is so, I mean, it's just so cute. It's on the top of a hill, picturesque, tiny little town, tiny winding streets. I went there with my mom in 2014. We were coming from tour, I think, or in we had been in Amboise, another part of the Loire, and we were driving in and it was late at night. And these tiny little streets, and I'm trying to drive this tiny stick shift and my mom's so tired and so dark and we're like winding around the same streets for two hours looking for this hotel when we find out it's not actually a hotel it's just like some lady's house that we're staying in a room in finally at like midnight we found it i'm pretty sure i've circled that town you know 30 times was that lady awake (laughs) you have to wake her up she was definitely like waiting for us because she knew we were coming but it was sort of a late night, like, uh, here's your room. And your mom night. speaks French, so she just converses in French with her. And, she and did. Fun. That was so helpful. You know, you got to have that in that moment. And then, you know, the next day it was lovely. That night it was kind of scary. We're like walking through this weird hallway up and through this like scary staircase into a tiny little room. It's like, oh, go to sleep. And then the next day, you know, she makes this amazing breakfast and hi, and she's really warm and it was so cute. But anyway, my entrance into Sancerre was not amazing but then to wake up in this amazing little tiny hillside town was beautiful and the vineyards are surrounding and there's a couple different like main regions in Sancerre this wine actually uh the vineyards are in Chavignol but it's just such a cute town and it wasn't always white wine I mean it's not 100% white wine now it's mostly white wine it's mostly Sauvignon Blanc it has to if the if it's white it has to be Sauvignon Blanc period. If it's red, it's Pinot Noir. And if it's rosé, it's a rosé of Pinot Noir. But it wasn't always like that. I guess after Phylloxera, they replanted because the Sauvignon Blanc grafted better. Phylloxera again being? The root-eating louse that basically destroyed vineyards everywhere, except vines that were planted in sand. They destroyed really the European version of Vitis vinifera, not the American version. So then they took the American version and planted it everywhere and grafted the other vines over the American rootstock. That's kind of um, maybe for a rainy, a lot. another rainy That's day. Really, yeah. it's, it's actually a very interesting story. I mean, it's a, it's a <laughs> and little I may have detour. butchered that in a sense, but um, the point is... In the 70s, after World War II, Sancerre, White Sancerre, had this moment in the Paris French bistros, and that was it, like the 1970s. What's the move? Uh, well, what was it? Easy drinking? I or, think or? it's such like minerally zippy white yeah, wine. It's zippy. it's zippy. It's minerally. It's not so complicated, but it still feels, it doesn't feel dumbed down. To me, the cool thing about Sauvignon Blanc is, one, it always tastes like itself, which maybe sounds dumb. But for me, if I get Sauvignon Blanc at a wedding, I know it's Sauvignon Blanc. If I get it at a fancy restaurant, I know it's Sauvignon Blanc. It just tastes like itself. The number one thing you say about Sauvignon Blanc that I remember, and it's been said on this podcast in the past, is if you go to a wedding and you don't know what wine to get, get Sauvignon Blanc. That's what I get. It can't be that bad. I mean, for me, for my taste, bad Chardonnay is like way worse than bad Sauvignon Blanc. And Sancerre is like... It's, it's great. It's the best. <laughs> it's the best Sauvignon Blanc. It's, it's, but the cool thing about Sauvignon Blanc too is that it does reflect the place that it's from. You know, so people people have this like craving for New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc or 
California Sauvignon Blanc or Sancerre. Oh yeah, okay, so we're in the middle of the country. You have a short, hot summer. You have a long winter. It's not coastal, you know? And it's three hours from Paris. But the cool thing is it's even closer to Chablis, a wine that it often reminds me of. And sometimes, you know, you can get customers to like go from Sancerre to Chablis because they're both these minerally white wines. And the same chalky soils that are on the cliffs of Dover run through Sancerre and Chablis and Champagne. And the same Kimmeridgian soil that's in Chablis is in Sancerre too. And what's the primary varietal in Chablis? Chardonnay. Chardonnay. I think you get those confused sometimes. I mean, you say that you're able to sort of walk that fine line, but I think to people just getting into wine, Sancerre and Chablis can be mistaken for each other, even though they're obviously different. But you could even, I mean, someone might mistake that in a blind tasting. The kicker for me, the Sauvignon Blanc, is that green pepper thing, their greenness, which you don't get in Chablis. So Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Franc got together and they made Cabernet Sauvignon. And they all have this like herbaceous note, this green note It's just super characteristic. They're called pyrazines. And so you just get that. You get it in Cabernet. You get it Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc. You get it in Sauvignon Blanc. So, yeah, that pepper, that green pepper thing is something that's a very Mm -hmm. prominent indicator. Yeah. Isn't cat piss also the indicator for Sauvignon Blanc? People do say that. Listen, this is pulling back the curtain. Yeah. In the the Psalm world. It is. Cat piss. I, I sort of have a personal... Like, oh, nails on a chalkboard when I hear that. Yeah. Just for two reasons. One, I don't You like the word piss. I don't want to think about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And two, I'm like, is that real? Or is that somebody just like showing off? Or like, who decided that? I I, mean, I I definitely held on to that. You know, I've taken a class at UCLA online. That's the thing I remember about Savignon Blanc. It's just one of those things that stays with you, whether you think it's real or not. Our six-year-old is going through a phase where he's saying kind of bad words and swear words and cat piss. He would be excited about prominently that. on that. Yeah. yeah. But are the same people that are asking about Sancerre, are they asking about cat piss? I don't know. I don't they know. don't know. They don't know. So in this, there's this great article. I know I've talked about it before on the podcast. I don't I think it was written like 10 years ago by Letty Teague, um, who was writing for the Wall Street Journal. She's a great wine writer, but she called Sancerre the Tom Hanks of wine. Which I feel like is perfect, you know? It's kind of the, the classy everyman wine. And that's what I feel like it is. I feel like we did mention that. We did, in the Sauvignon Blanc. That might Blanc. be the title of the episode. No, no. It was called Honk if you like Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, great title. <laughs> I must have come up with that. Anyway. Honk <laughs> if you like Sauvignon Blanc. Perfect. Anyway, about Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, so, but this producer is really special. So... When we were in Colorado this past week, we went to a wine store because we thought we were going to do this podcast in Colorado. Of course, like brought all of our podcast equipment, didn't end up doing it. It was super chaotic, brought it back home. Here we are. But go to this wine store called B-Town Wine and Spirits that I love. It's like two blocks from my parents' house. They've got a great selection. I love this wine shop. And they have a bunch of probably three Sancerres there, which I felt like is like, that's a nice selection, you know? They know people are going to go. They're all like kind of around the same price, right? They're all like low 30s. I feel like when we started getting into wine, maybe early 2000s, Sancerre was like, I don't know, 19 bucks or like 20 bucks. Now it's like in the 30s. It's gone up. Like it's just so popular. You can't even keep it in stock. 
and wine prices have gone up in general. But Sancerre was one of the first regions that I wanted to learn about. I got excited about and tried to explore. Anyway. Passing the wine bottle around because wine is delicious. It's so good. The, but I want what I want to say is this Sancerre is different. So we have at Esther's several like a couple that come in that are all around the same price, you know, that come in and out of stock. And we always have like at least one, if not two or three. But because it's so popular, people, sometimes people want to spend money. They want a Sancerre, but they want it to be more expensive. I'm not exactly sure why that's a different mindset than I normally have as a human, but there's people that really want that. And so... I was kind of looking for that and found this producer, Alphonse Melo, and was just swept away. Totally taken with the winemaking. So, so totally the- taken with the history of this wine. I was like, yes, this is worth double the price of your average Sancerre. This this is worth it. Just to back up for a second, you were looking for a higher priced Sancerre. Yes. Sancerre. Yes. That's interesting. Because when something it's a is- demand. It was a demand when something somebody wants to spend money and they know they want Sancerre, they know they love that, you want to have a great bottle for them. So this producer is, first of all, they're like 500 years old. Not, not, not the dude that's making it. It's not Yoda. But um, the people have been making this wine. In 2013, it was 500 years. 19 generations. And now... Um, and. <laughs> And the oldest son, it's father to son, father to son every time. The oldest son is always named Alphonse. So <laughs> there's Alphonse Sr., Alphonse Jr., Alphonse Sr., Alphonse Jr. It kind of is it's pretty crazy, right? 19 generations. So right so now. So is there like an Alphonse the 19th? Well, I actually, no, no I, I think it was a different name at the very beginning. I can't, I can't, ex- actually, I can't remember the exact beginning, but this is crazy. In the 1500s. There's mentions of the Malo family. In 1698, Cesar, Cesar, Cesar. Here we go. <laughs> Malo was appointed wine advisor to Louis the Fourteenth. Incredible. Right? This family is serious. So there was a Cesar. There was somebody. But in the 19th century, that like beginning of the 19th century, that's when, when the Alphonse started. And in 1881, they opened a tavern in the town of Sancerre. And they became popular, you know, like as a restaurant. So they were growing grapes. They were making wine. They also had a restaurant. And then they got a license to ship wine throughout the world. So these are pretty, like, influential people in Sancerre. Then they become organic. They convert to full biodynamics. And the wine is beautiful. The wine shows it. It's a heavy bottle. It's got like a beautiful family crest on the bottle. It is worth the price. It is. It has so much complexity. And they take so much care in the winemaking. This particular bottle, which is called Satellite, comes from Chavignon. And it's five little like garden plots that are selected to go into this particular cuvee. Native yeast fermentation, aged in old oak, and not filtered. But it's so fine. We haven't really talked about this wine yet, but it's not just zesty and lean, but it's so complex. It's so delicate. There's so much finesse. 
it's got like that citrus thing that that Sauvignon Blanc always has, but it's like a very fine white grapefruit lime zest. It has the green factor, you know, like a little bit herbaceous. I feel like this wine, I mean, I'm still trying to understand Sauvignon Blanc in descripting terms, but it, it feels like a bigger Sancerre that I'm n- normally having. I and, mean, it, and it is. Look at that alcohol. Yeah, alcohol is 14%. I know. Which it, it, normally I would say Sancerre is probably around 12. Yeah. It is. You can feel. You can feel. You talk about. There's a, a delicate quality to, to this wine, but it also feels. It's, it's delicate, but also it has like it, it is a little somewhat robust for a white wine. For sure. Well, I think there's a few reasons for that. One, I think it is the vines that they're using, and two, I think it is the area that it's coming from, Chavignol, which is known for clay limestone and the Kimmeridgian soils, which just generally produces more powerful wines. There's other vineyards that are more gravel and limestone that are closer to the town of Sancerre, and those are more delicate. And then there's the the really characteristic Sancerre soils of Flint or Silex, which is more perfume and kind of age worthy. But this is this is from the area that is known for power. I think that power translates, like you said, into the bottle because it is a bigger bottle. It has engravings on the bottle. It reminds me, frankly, of a Chateau Neuf de Pop bottle. Because of how like heavy it is. Yes, and yes, it has weight. So yeah. the whole the whole thing, and it's a great job with their branding because the wine to me is nuanced, but it also has, like you said, power or robustness, and that sort of is echoed in the packaging as well. So I think they do a nice job of that. It's that neutral oak too. I mean, it just gives it like room to breathe, and the wine has. There's a lot of texture on this wine too. High acidity, but great texture on the palate. I think this is a wine that I was talking to someone else recently. I always say this. I'm trying to convert more men into drinking white wine. Well, I feel like this is a red wine drinker's white wine. Mm. Okay, why? Because the body or yeah, the exactly, power? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because it has a little bit of power, robustness. It's, it has a full mouthfeel. The aesthetic of the bottle, I feel like if you were to put this on a table, yeah. it would say, oh, what is this? This is like a white wine, but for people that also want Bordeaux or something like that. But it's not buttery Chardonnay. No, exactly. I I feel like that's part of the reason that people go to Sancerre, period, is because they're like, okay, I don't like Chardonnay. Or like, I don't want Rombauer. You know, I don't want California Chardonnay. What's different? Oh, Sancerre. But we like all kinds of white wine. I feel like, you know, the zesty white wine drinker can enjoy this too. What's cool about this also is because you talk about, you know, we talk about Burgundy and how different villages or villages create different wines and this is interesting with the way you uh, describe Sancerre has the same thing where this village makes a wine that has characteristics or they're very different from somewhere else yep yep this part now there are areas around Sancerre where like let's say you are looking for value because now I told you everything all Sancerres are like 30 something dollars well this feels like a wine that's like a, a just looking at the price point of this wine is yeah, it's over double a special wine like a special event wine like exactly a, a and special what, occasion when people want they love Sancerre and they want something fancy that this is it and that is a that is a place people want that yep. but let's say you don't want that let's say you want Sancerre that's you want to have that Sancerre experience but you don't want to pay that price point there's all these little villages regions around Sancerre that are great to try like Menetou Salon Rui, Kinsi, Touraine, Pui Fume, which is right across the river, which is a little bit broader. It's soft. You see that a lot. 
maybe a little bit less aromatic. They're different from Sancerre, but they all, you know, when you're looking like, okay, I want that feeling, but a little bit less price point, those are good regions to try. And then when you want to like put the money down, this is the one. I think it's a great wine, a very interesting wine. Cool way to see Sancerre. Any other details you want to add? Can I go into food pairings for this one? So all Sauvignon Blanc in the Loire Valley, I just want to, you know, I kind of automatically pair with goat cheese because what grows together goes together, even though goat cheese doesn't actually grow. I know what you mean. Yeah. But, you know, that's like a duh, automatic. But because of how fine this is and pretty, I mean, this is definitely a great seafood wine, too. I think oysters, I think like some delicate seafood would be really pretty with this. Any kind of seafood. Somebody was talking about a trout with lentils the other day. I feel like that would be great. Somebody was talking about delicate white wine and butter sauce, you know, Burblanc with capers like this would be great with that too i it because it has that power to hold up to the butter sauce you know this is a really versatile white wine what it doesn't go well with i don't know probably fruit like stuff with sweetness <laughs> no easter egg candy no today. i mean i'm glad i ate that no box s- of junior mints but no junior mints no starbursts where can we tell people to go and find a sancerre we know sancerres are in yep are in wine stores throughout the country throughout yes. the world how can we help push them in a direction that would help them find something that's interesting to them? Well, I I would say uh, you've got to talk to the person. I don't know. I sound like a broken record saying that. But, like, you have to ask why this Sancerre is special. Why did they buy this Sancerre? It's a great point, right? Because they, I mean, they know. They know well, most wine buyers know everyone wants Sancerre. Yes. So why are they why buying? Why they choose that why one? Why are they choosing that There's one? There's a lot. Why they choose that I one? I think that's a really. They're all kind of the same price. Like what's special about this I one? I think that's a really interesting question. You're going to have, like you said, a selection of at least two or three in any wine store. And you mentioned again, they're all relatively in the same price range. So why did you choose those? Is this one organic? Like do you. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I mean, this is a good question. I think. The best Sancerres that I try have some nuance and speak of terroir and have some finesse. The worst Sancerres I try, which are like not even that bad, frankly, the worst thing I could say about them is just that they're boring. You know, that's it. At some point, we should get into Sauvignon Blancs that are outside of Sancerre. New Zealand, I know, is some great Sauvignon Blancs. It's true. So... And we don't do enough of maybe Southern Hemisphere wines, so that's something we should get. Maybe there's a comparison episode in the future. That'd be uh, fun. I guess my question to you is, we talked about Chateau de Pop being a great gifting wine. I feel like Sancerre is potentially a great gifting wine. That's a great gifting wine. It's also like a great, not even a gift, but like a dinner party wine. It just feels like, like hey, you, you know what? I know no. what I'm doing. I have, you know, and it's, yeah. it, has, it brings a bit of elegance it shows to like, the event. Okay, I'm coming to this dinner party. I have taste and... I care about wine. I also like care about the people I'm here. I'm not picking something so esoteric. I'm picking something that people will like. I didn't pick something out of the, you know, bargain bin. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't pick, I also didn't pick like something out of the cellar. You know, it's a great choice for some, you're going to a friend's house for dinner. Like that's a great thing to bring. And it could pair with a lot of things. I like it. This wine is very interesting to learn about. It's interesting to understand I'm glad we did Sancerre. We talked about these highlighted, high-lit 
I never get that word right. The sort of bright light regions. I yeah. This is one of those. I so don't know. I, to understand some of the the nuance in these uh, regions is really interesting, and to discover this one, I think, is fantastic. We'll put a picture of this wine wine label on Instagram, of course, so you can see it. But if you're looking for something for an event, a party, upscale, treat yourself. This is a bottle to go to. Well, and I would just say one more thing. You know, when you're thinking about wines from France, on the label, you're going to see the region, not the grape variety. Like Sancerre is the region. That's just a simple takeaway. So if you see a wine from the United States, you might see a grape variety. You might see where it's from also. But like French wines, unless we're talking about Alsace, you're going to see the region. And then it's about just learning what grape variety is grown there. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I'm going to go first. I said this at the top of the year. For our loyal listeners, you know I have one goal, and that's to clean off my surplus of New Yorker magazine. Oh, help us. So every chance I get, I'm reading through a New Yorker. Flying this weekend, I was trying to get through some New Yorkers. Didn't go so well, but I did bring them on the flight. That counts. And I did read some articles from a few weeks ago on a recent trip to New York. And this is from the March 13th, 2023 issue of The New Yorker. It's called The Way Things Work, The Battle for Penn Station. It's by William Finnegan. It's a great article about Penn Station and New York City and what to do with it, how to renovate it. It was apparently one of the most beautiful buildings in the early 20th century, rival the beauty of Grand Central Station. Things happen. Madison Square Garden gets built on top of it. People are trying to figure out where to move Madison Square Garden. James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, he has become this sort of tyrant and trying to figure out that they want to, New York wants to move the Knicks. He won't let it happen. He, they want to move Madison Square Garden. He won't let that happen. And it's just a really a fascinating article. If you live in New York City, if you love New York City, if you visited New York City, I think it's a great article to check out because it just talks about that little pocket of the city around 34th Street and 7th Avenue and the politicking that takes place and how they're going to make this thing beautiful again. And you know what? I was in, I was in New York a few weeks ago, and there is a little area of, of Penn Station. I didn't recognize it. it is, there is changes happening. But the full-scale renovation, I think, is just really it's really fascinating. I love uh, internal struggle for changes in like a city. I think that's just really, really interesting. Uh, maybe someone will make a TV show of that, out of that someday. So check that out. Once again, The Way Things Work, The Battle for Penn Station by William Finnegan in the March 13th issue of The New Yorker. Check it out. It's a fun read. You are just you are just such a curious person. I love it. You know, I mean, I never know what you're gonna say for your inspiration. Like sometimes that music, you know, sports. It's it's just fun to sit over here and say, oh, what is he into? Yeah. Literally, you could be on this podcast and talk about anything and he would probably know something about it and have something to say it's unbelievable not me i have you know five topics i can talk about by yeah. winding one but it's really cool it's only when i delve into the new yorker that i become interesting that's why i keep all 385 oh, issues that gosh. i have but i'm moving through them all and so um check in check in with me uh you know quarterly to see where i am in this goal of mine Catherine, what do you have okay um this past week i have a even though we were on vacation, I was like tr- trying to plan this giant event we're going to have at Esther's for Earth Day. So if you're you're here in L.A., you have to come. Uh, I am so inspired by 
farming. You guys know that I'm such a nerd for this. And in late 2019, early 2020, I was planning this big panel about regenerative farming with winemakers, with scientists to come to LA, stay here and do a talk for wine professionals. Well, of course, all that fell apart because of the pandemic. And since then, you know, I've tried to like <laughs> help rescue the business and then had a baby and then life. It's a lot of life. A lot of, a lot life. of life. So, you know, I was talking to our sommelier at Esther's Randall about like, well, how, how do we start this conversation again? And, and how do we do something maybe not so extravagant, but start talking about regenerative agriculture again and wine. And we just said, let's do it. We're ta- we're doing this winemaker tasting on Earth Day. So two weeks, April 22nd. And I reached out to a few people. And then all of a sudden, lots of people want to come and uh, that are making regenerative wine. Number one being Raj Parr of Phelan Wines and Nate at Hayu Farms and I, I, so many other people that I'm really excited about are coming to Esther's, also passionate about regenerative wine. It's going to be a really cool walk around tasting and we are crowdfunding. We are working, make this tasting to help this organization called Oom, which is super cool. In LA, they are trying to end single-use packaging and working with all these different companies to talk about reusing packaging. And they are helping us save our wine bottles. They will take them away, sanitize them, clean them, and give them again to local winemakers. Amazing. So we are trying to help their mission, only Mission Earth. Um, I think it stands for something else. Anyway, they are so cool. Uh, We'll get into them on another podcast, but this tasting I'm doing, this organization, it's been very inspiring to start this conversation again, and I really hope I'll see so many of you there. We'll give you the full list of the winemakers and the wines as we confirm them, but it's very exciting for you. I know how passionate you are about this. Hopefully, we'll get a few of the winemakers on the podcast to talk about this, but it's really exciting, and um, you should be inspired by this. I'm inspired by this. It's really fun. I see you light up as you get closer to this event you see more people buying in on it anyway stay tuned to us at the long finish and check that out all right that's it that's it for episode 98 of the long finish episode 98 is in the books thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to the show if you have a chance to rate review and subscribe to our show as we get closer and closer to episode 100 that means a lot to us we should have some more guests in store we tried to have one in colorado we're going to make that happen very soon we got some new guests coming up lined up so stay tuned for that Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? Find us on Instagram. I'm at Catherine Weil Coker and at The Long Finish. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thanks to everyone for listening to the show. We'll be back soon with a new episode. Until then, be happy, be healthy, and happy drinking. Ciao.